When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to Story Story Podcast. I am today's guest host, Simon Brooks, and I have some stories for you. The theme for this episode is wisdom, so there is some irony that I am the host of this week. Anyway, this is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and will bring you back safely. My dog Mo, my daughter Perry and I headed into the forest. There has been a lot of wind and rain lately, which has brought down a lot of leaves. Then it got sunny, and most of the leaves became dry. We thought we would have some fun and make a giant, and I mean giant, pile of leaves next to a tree. We were going to put some long, thin branches into it for arms, and some rocks in the base for feet, and maybe, if we could find it, a sheet of birch bark fallen from one of the trees. Sometimes you can find huge pieces on the forest floor, big thick pieces, as well as tiny paper-thin strips. Well, we went to it like ants making a new nest, piling up leaves on top of leaves on top of leaves, and then it was a short walk down to Great Brook to find some nice smooth rocks which might make a good pair of boots or shoes. Mo splashed in and about the water, sometimes drinking, sometimes shaking her wet self all over us in some sort of game. Perry found a perfect rock. It was large and almost like an opened fan, but with a groove in it running through the centre so it appeared to be a pair of shoes joined together, which had turned to stone. It was too heavy for her to carry. The rock was three to four inches thick in places, and it was a foot and a half across at the widest point. When I lifted it, Mo came over and smelt it and then licked the rock. It had taken a while to find this piece of rock, and we had walked a ways downstream in our search, so we took a roundabout way back to our pile of leaves. I saw, as we stepped over exposed tree roots and fallen trees, a nice piece of birch. In fact, it even had two holes in it, which could be eyes. One side was white, and the other side, the inside, was tan. Perry thought it looked a bit like Groot's face, or maybe one of his relatives, if he had any. Perry grabbed and held it up to her face. It made the perfect mask. I wondered if we'd be leaving it on our leaf pile person, or if we would be bringing it back home. Then when Mo started jumping up to sniff or bite it, I wondered if we would get it as far as our pile of leaves. We came to the path and headed to where our pile of leaves had been. That's right, where it had been. Our first story today is told by Catherine Fairley. I am sad to say that Catherine passed away recently after she agreed to be on the episode and gave Rachel Ann a whole bunch of her recordings. So it is with some sadness that I introduce this remarkable storyteller from California. Catherine was known for her amazing retellings of epics, Beowulf, Gilgamesh, even the Mahabharata, which was one of her favorites. Many of her stories prominently feature strong female lead characters. This is Catherine's telling of the story 
The Wise Woman of Cordoba, a story from Mexico. Enjoy. La Mujer Sabia de Cordoba, The Wise Woman of Cordoba. Now they call her the wise woman of Cordoba, and she had been there longer than anyone could remember, even the oldest people in Cordoba. They knew her from her childhood, and she was a beautiful young woman then, and she still looked like a beautiful young woman now. But no one knew where she came from. She had simply always been there. Oh, some people called her Bruja, witch. For she knew magic, it was sure, and you could see her flying around in the skies at night, sparks coming out of her eyes. But she could also be helpful, and those who she helped, they called her curandera, healer. For if you asked her nicely, she could be very helpful. She would help young women find husbands. She would heal the young children who were sick. She would help poor miners find silver in the earth. Of course, the priest in town, he hated her. She was a dangerous woman to him, and of course she never came to church. Now there was a young woman who had lost her lover because another woman had gone to La Bruja, La Mujer Sabia, and had gotten a potion to make a young man love her and marry her, and it had worked. They were married, and they were very happy. But the other woman, she was jealous. She was so jealous. She was furious, and she could not get it out of her mind, and so she went to the priest, the padre, and she said, Padre, why do you let that bruja live in this town? It takes away from the sanctity of our Lord. You cannot allow this, can you? Well, the priest shrugged his shoulders. Uh, he was not about to tangle with La Mujer Sabia. But she went on. The woman persisted. She said, But you cannot allow this. And you know she's been here for years. I hear she has collected a great deal of money. They say she has barrels and barrels of gold. Well, now the priest, he was interested. His eyes glittered, and she persisted and finally talked him into taking action. The next day, the padre went to the policia, and it was hard to convince them to do something, too. They didn't want anything to do with La Mujer Sabia. She was a dangerous woman. But he persisted, and he talked about Dios Bariles de Oro, the ten barrels of gold. Why? Half of it would go to the church, and half of it, of course, could go to the police. I'm sure they had plenty they could do with it. Well, then the police chief's eyes, they glittered. And he finally consented to send out troops to search the house of La Mujer Sabia de Cordoba. I say a whole troop of policia. They were afraid of her. La Mujer was innocently sitting there, reading her dusty old books when they took her away to prison. And they searched. The padre kept saying, search, search. And all they found were dusty books, strange bottles, bunches of herbs, but no gold. The padre insisted, dig up the garden. I know it's there somewhere. She has a reputation. So they dug up the garden. And there they found diez barillas de oro, ten barrels of gold. As they pried off the lids to those barrels one by one, the padre's eyes glittered and glowed. He dug his hands into the coins, and they fell back into the barrels, and he said, Take him to the church for safekeep. Well, La Mujer was tried. She didn't even deny the charges. Yes, she was a witch. She wouldn't deny a thing. And so she was sentenced to burn. 
but the judge had said, Padre, you must go to this woman before she burns. You must get her to confess her sins. After all, perhaps she could be saved, and wouldn't that be something for you? So the Padre had to say he would go. He wasn't looking forward to this, but then again he thought, well, wouldn't it be nice to see her beg and plead for mercy? And so the night before she was to burn, he went into the prison cell. And there she was, at the back of the cell, very plain cell, tall, whitewashed walls, nothing but a canvas cot along one wall and a charcoal brazier in the other. And there she was at the back of the wall with a piece of charcoal in her hand, and the padre just stared at the back wall, for there drawn upon it, in the most beautiful charcoal rendering, was a ship, huge, detailed, a caraval, with six sails, the last one being unfurled by one of the sailors on the boat. It was complete, most perfect rigging. It had everything on it, a whole crew, and ten barrels of cargo. La Mujer turned to the Padre, and she laughed. <laughs> padre, I see you did not know I was an artist. The Padre was speechless. Padre, do you like my ship? It's perfect, said the Padre. Oh, Padre, but it is not perfect. Que falta es de navegar. What does it lack? The Padre looked. He saw every detail, every rope, the sails, the people, the grain of the wood. It lacks nothing, mujer. Oh, padre, se necesita alguien para navegarla. It needs someone to captain it. <laughs> and with a wild laugh, she jumped on board the deck of that perfect ship. And a great gust of wind went through the jail cell and the sails filled with wind, and the ship began to sail across the wall. And it began to disappear into the corner of the wall, and within minutes the entire ship and La Mujer Sabia had disappeared. And there was nothing left in that room but the laughter of La Mujer Sabia. Now no one ever saw La Mujer Sabia de Cordoba again, and no one ever saw the ten barrels of gold again. But the Padre... He lived a long, long life, but every day of his life, ringing in his ears, was the wild laughter of La Mujer Sabia de Córdoba. Today's fairy tale sponsor comes from Don't You Worry About This Gov. I've got it. Here, my name is Big Troll, and if you go through Happy Ever After Highway, you gotta pay a toll at Big Troll's Tollgate. Try saying that quickly three times after drinking a gallon of hot chocolate with big marshmallows floating in it. <laughs> Only two silver coins to get yourself through the tollgate. So me and me brother can look after the road so you ain't late. There's nothing worse than being waylaid by a padfoot 
cut short by a charlatan, nor left hanging dry by a highway robbery. Me and me brother, Frank Little Troll, keeps these scallywags and scoundrels far, far away, allowing all of you safe travel on the highway. Some pave roads, others cobble streets with their toll fees, but that's a bunch of cobblers, because it ain't no good if you get robbed on the way. Remember, take the happy ever after highway, because that's the only safe way. Big Troll Tollgate saves your life. As long as you pay us. That's enough, little Frank. Thanks to the fans of the podcast, especially those who leave nice comments, like Emmy Reynolds Craft. Thanks so much for doing that. Let's see more of this. Thanks again, Emmy Reynolds Craft. Woohoo! Like I said, the pile of leaves was not where I left it. It had moved. Now, granted, it had only taken us about 20 minutes to build it at most, and we were gone maybe 30 minutes. But it had moved about 30 feet from where we had built it, stick arms and all. It looked the same, but it was further down the hill, against a rock, and not the tree we had used for stability. It was over four feet high. Perry and I looked at it, and the trail of leaves that led back to where it had been, and then at each other. I lowered the stone feet to the bottom of the pile of leaves, then took the birch bark from Perry and carefully set it in the middle of the leaves on the top. It sank a small way into the leaves, but most of it stayed visible. We took a step back to look it over. It was certainly odd-looking. I asked Perry if she wanted to hide in it and wait for someone to come by and jump out, but she declined. It will be fun for someone to find, I said to her. We were about to turn and continue on our walk when the eye holes in the birch widened and blinked. A mouth appeared and moved as if it was trying it out for the first time. Mo cocked her head to one side and whined a little whine. Then the bark spoke. They will have to find me first. The rock feet split and off the pile of leaves ran in between the trees. A trail of leaves followed it. Perry and I looked at each other and laughed. Well, it's close to Halloween, Daddy. Then we ran in the opposite direction, with Mo leading the way. If you see a pile of leaves in the woods with stick arms, a birch bark face and stone shoes, maybe it was the one we made. I would suggest staying away from it, though. Just in case. I met Ed Stivender last year at the National Storytelling Festival in Jonesboro, Tennessee. He is impish, funny and very clever. Imagine a fairy tale retold by a Shakespeare who might have been raised in America, one who might sound a little bit like Robin Williams at times, and you might be close to how Ed presents his stories. He is also a real gentleman. Enjoy the wisdom he brings to the wise one. Once in the land of Canafloria, there lived a man who was so wise, no one really knew how wise he was. He was also very old. In fact, he was so old that no one could remember his name, and so they called him the Wise One. The Wise One lived a modest life in a secluded cottage in the middle of a dense forest. There he nourished himself on wild berries and nuts and spent long hours conversing with the forest animals and meditating deeply. Although the hut was secluded, it lay not far 
from the road that connected the capital city of Canafloria with the city of trade. This was obviously an important road because it carried many cart drivers and merchants and all of the travelers between the two cities. One morning when the first cart driver had come halfway to the city of trade, he came upon a giant who barred the path and said, You shall not pass until you fight me. Choose any weapon you like, and I will more than match you. Now this cart driver was no warrior, so he turned his cart around and sped back to the capital city, warning all of the other cart drivers as he went. Word of this reached the president of Canafloria, and he called his advisors, his council of three, together. What shall we do about this giant? The first advisor spoke. The continuance and viability of the state of Canafloria is threatened. We must stop this giant. Let us send the master of clubs. And so it was agreed. The next morning, the master of clubs came to the place where the giant stood. You shall not pass until you fight me. Choose any weapon you like, and I will more than match you. I choose clubs, said the master of clubs, and raised his heavy oaken club. But no sooner had he done so when there appeared in the hands of the giant a club more oaken and more powerful than that in the hands of the master. And in a few moments, the master of clubs was utterly defeated. Word of this reached the president of Canafloria, and he called his advisors together. What shall we do in this matter? The second advisor spoke. Mr. President, the people of Canafloria have a right to travel where they wish. We must stop this giant. Send out the master of swords. And so it was agreed. The next morning, the master of swords came to the place where the giant stood. You shall not pass until you fight me. Choose any weapon you like, and I will more than match you. I choose swords, said Master of Swords, and raised his stainless steel, highly polished, very sharp sword. But no sooner had he done so, when there appeared in the hands of the giant a sword more stainless, more highly polished, and more powerful than that in the hands of the Master. And in a few moments the Master of Swords was defeated utterly. Word of this reached the president. He called his council together. What shall we do in this matter? The third advisor spoke. Mr. President, the sovereignty, the right to exist of the state of Canafloria has never been so threatened. Therefore, we must send out our most powerful warrior. Send the master of fire. The next morning, the master of fire reached the place where the giant stood. You shall not pass until you fight me. Choose any weapon you like, and I will more than match you. I choose fire, said the master, and began to throw lit torches at the giant almost faster than the eye could see. But the giant took the torches and threw them back, burning hotter and faster than before, and in a few moments the master of fire was utterly defeated. Word of this got back to the president of Canafloria. He called his advisors and said, We have sent out our greatest warriors and still the giant bars the path. Can you think of no better idea? The wife of the president of Canafloria was sitting at the table with them, and she said, Why not send the wise one? What could the wise one do when our greatest warriors have been defeated? But since no one had a better idea, 
he sent a delegation to the wise one who listened and told them, I will see what can be done. Go back to your homes. The next morning, the wise one started out towards the road between the two cities. On the way, he stopped at a farm and borrowed a cart and a cow to pull it. Traveling in this fashion, he reached the place where the giant stood. You shall not pass until you fight me. Choose any weapon you like, and I will more than match you. Oh, said the wise one. I shall have to think about this. And he sat down upon the ground to ponder. No sooner had he done so when the giant, too, sat down upon the ground to think. But since he had nothing to think about, it did not do him any good. Besides, it was a very hot day, and soon the giant became very uncomfortable. After a while, it came time for the cow to be milked. The wise one went to the cart, took a bucket, and crouched beneath the cow. When the bucket was full, he dipped a cup into the milk and took a long, deep drink. The giant looked on longingly. Oh, could it be that you are thirsty? I admit that I am. The wise one dipped the cup into the milk and raised it to the giant. Please accept this simple gift from your humble friend. Suddenly the giant jumped up and said, Oh no, I see what you are trying to do. You are trying to kill me with kindness. Well, it will not work. I'll show you... With that, the giant disappeared down the road, and in a few moments came back, bearing in his arms fresh brown baked bread, nuts, fruit, vegetables, tofu, yogurt, all of the kinds of things that someone like the wise one would like to eat. The wise one sat down to a sumptuous feast. When he had eaten his fill, and perhaps a little more, he said, I should like to tell you about myself, although I make no claims. They call me the wise one. I live not far from here, in a secluded cottage. Well, said the giant, I shall tell you more about me than you have told me about you. I have no name, for I was born of the union of the wind and a curved mirror. I have no power except that which my opponent chooses for me. Oh, I had thought as much, said the wise one. But it is getting late, and I must get to the city of trade before dark. May I give you a ride to a place of rest? Will you never finish with your trickery? I will show you once and for all. And with that, he picked up the wise one and the cart and the cow and ran like the wind all the way to the city of trade. He put down the wise one and the cart and the cow and said, I hope you have learned your lesson. Oh, yes, I have, said the wise one, and thank you. No, thank you very, very much. And with that, the giant disappeared down the road. The wise one went into the city of trade, and there he explained the nature of the giant to the people and how they should treat him. And from that day forward, for as long as the giant lived, anyone traveling between the city of trade and the capital city had only to travel halfway, because the giant would carry them the rest. Thank you for listening to Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Ed Stivender and Catherine Fairley on the internet. Tell Ed you heard him on the podcast and now you want to hear more stories. Catherine has eight CDs which you can get 
from CD Baby at https colon slash slash store dot cdbaby.com forward slash artist forward slash Catherine Fairley. There'll be a link in the show notes. You can find Rachel Ann and the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann Harding, where you will find the visual candy from the fairy tale sponsor ads and other goodies. Me, I'm on Instagram at Simon M. Brooks, and on Facebook and on my website, SimonBrooksStoryteller.com. The beautiful brains behind the fairy tale sponsor is Kevin Cordy. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was the amount of leaves in my backyard. Check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors and let me, Anne and Isabel, know a favourite story you have heard or the favourite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. If you would like to become a supporter of the podcast or discover sponsorship opportunities, you can find links on storystorypodcast.com. If it isn't in the cards to support the podcast right now, no worries. Perhaps you'll be willing to go write a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the podcast, or wherever else you found this episode. Head over to the website and join the mailing list for hidden goodies, and if you tune in, you will hear more stories next week. But until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door, and there, on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, and to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court.